there, y'all. Welcome to our next episode of Champagne Cinema, the show where we do what we do best, which is watch films, drink wine, and then whine about them. My name is Chris, and joining me today is C. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us again this week. I think we need to call out that it is December. (laughs) The end of 2021. It's crazy that we're already here. But also, I think Tiger King 2 just came out, and then I remembered Tiger King 1 came out at the start of COVID, and everyone was like, oh, this is going to be over by the time I finish Tiger King in two weeks' time, like lockdowns. And then everyone's like, wait, we've seen Tiger King, but this thing's not gone. And that's all I can think now is like Tiger King was like the start of kind of like a whole new world Mm -hmm. for everyone. Are you going to watch? I didn't even know it came out. I knew it was happening, but I didn't know it came out already. So yeah, it came out, I think like a couple weeks ago, um, just in time for Thanksgiving. I haven't watched it yet, but I I will. I don't. I'll give it a shot, but I have a feeling it's just not going to be the same and as entertaining. And now it's just like you feel really bad for those animals. I don't even know what season two they're going to talk about. I'm like, wait, like what is the next story? Unless it gets like real freaking weird. I don't know what they're going to be talking about in this one. Like the guy's in jail, right? No, I think the guy, they're going to talk about like the guy that took it over, like with the bandana or the hat or something. And then the lady, and I'm sure actual Tiger King will be a part of some of the chat, but I think it's kind of what happened after to that place. Didn't they get arrested too? They got all the animals taken off them. I don't know. That's what we're going to watch, I guess. (laughs) That's what we're going to find out. (laughs) So in honor of our movie today, we wanted to take a really quick trip down memory lane and chat really, really, really quickly before we dive into the movie, about a super, super hot man. So when this film came out, the main character was around our age um, that we are now. So I feel like we were really drawn to him in this, like more so than maybe other people because we're like, he's the same age as us. It's kind of like no wonder we're on heat the whole time watching this film. I was good at guessing. I was like, yeah, he's like 33. He's our age. Imagine meeting him at our age. Oh. So we're talking about none other than Clint Eastwood. Clint fucking Eastwood. He was just so hot in this film. So I think he, I did Google this and he was like 34 when he filmed this. He's 90 now, over 90. This was like one third of his life. Yeah, I mean, he. I would say he's beautiful. He's hot, but he's just like breathtaking. <laughs> so pretty. And you're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Which make us not really care as much as we thought we would about his son. Oh my Holy God. Jesus. No. No. It's too much. It's a, oh, look at that. Oh. Scott Eastwood who? I don't care. It's Clint. So yeah, Scott Eastwood is his son. He was in The Longest Ride, that Nicholas Sparks movie. That's what I know him best for. He's not like the best actor. He is a terrible actor, but he is also in The Fast and the Furious number six or seven, (laughs) I think. When they go to Dubai? Anyway, not a good actor. He's also in Suicide Squad, the first one. Also, not a good actor in that one. But I will say he is super hot. But Clint in this film just, like, shits on his own son. Like, you can see where it comes from. But Clint Eastwood, goddamn. For sure. I mean, he definitely got his looks from his dad. But, I mean, that is just some really, really, really good genes, I will say. Because he just took our breath away. And it took a while to see him in this film. So when we did, it just, oh, it was a lot. I think there was build-up because we knew it was going to be a lot. But yeah, I think when we're diving into it, and I have Googled Clint Eastwood's history before because, I'm a, you know, Scott is super hot. So, like, let's figure out his family history. And I'll just say Clint Eastwood has a doozy of a history with the ladies. Even his hair, his, his hair back of his head great. looks good. No wonder he had affairs and children with multiple flight attendants. <laughs> I knew he's been all over the place and I knew he had a lot of kids, but I didn't realize how much <laughs> it, it kind of took away a little bit like, oh, he's not maybe a good guy, but he's a hot guy. Oh, he's a 
he's a <laughs> terrible person, just so we're clear. I went and researched his affairs that he had and like his love life from when he was like younger, including in this film, how many kids he's had, how many wives he's had, and he is a walking red flag. Okay, well, t- tell us what, how <laughs> many me. of all of that? <laughs> so all of this information is not fact-checked. This is obviously <laughs> taken from the internet, which could be made up. I'm going to pretend like this is, I mean, you know, it's factual behind it because it's been over years. I feel like knowing the marriages and the amount of kids is enough to know like kind of how he is. So that's yeah. pretty factual. Yeah, and I would say he's had a lot of casual and serious relationships of varying length and intensity, <laughs> many of which have overlapped, everyone, overlapped. So, <laughs> what does that mean? So just I need to like summarize. This is wild. We're about to go on a wild ride um, of Clint Eastwood's love life. It is. So shortly after he met his future wife, Maggie, on a blind date, lucky her, he actually First had wife? First wife, Maggie okay. Johnson, met on a blind date. So that's, you know, they met. But shortly after this, he had an affair, which resulted in a daughter who was adopted. So they gave his daughter, Laurie, up for adoption to a couple in Seattle. So that's child number one. Eastwood then married Maggie Johnson, or he has had an affair, but then uh-huh. he kept having affairs, <laughs> <laughs> including a liaison with a stunt woman that then produced another daughter in 1964. So okay. he doesn't <laughs> like condoms. <laughs> Red flags everywhere. So Johnson, who he's married to, he's already had two affairs with children to those affairs already since he's been with Maggie Johnson. Then Maggie Johnson and Eastwood have two children. Yay. Like they have, <laughs> he's married, so they should be having children. Right. So to confirm at this point in 1972, he has two kids with two other women he had affairs with before having kids with the woman that he was actually married to. So it was four kids so far. Yes. We're only in the 70s, early 70s. Granted, this was after all his cowboy westerns. And remember what he looked like? So you're like, yeah, of course. He's beautiful. Yeah. Then in 1975, he had an affair with a married actress called Sandra Locke. I think if you look her up, you'll actually recognize her from a lot of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And apparently he told her, Sandra Locke, not his wife, the actress he was having an affair with, who was also married, that he'd never been in love before he met her. (laughs) Yuck. Yuck. Bullshit. I mean, actually, I believe that maybe he hasn't, but I don't believe he was actually in love with her at the two. Like, I don't know if he's capable of real love. This is what I don't think so either, because this gets even worse. So... Nine years into their affair, so Sandra's still married to her husband and Eastwood's still married to Maggie. Maggie's like, I'm out, fuck this, like, we're done. So they got divorced in 1984. But Locke, Sandra Locke, remained married to her husband Gordon for the rest of her life because he was gay. So this was said to be a marriage of convenience, but, like, it was also her best friend. So you know that book that we read? Yes, I was about to say. Life of Evelyn stuff? I was like, oh, my goodness, this makes so much sense. That happened. Seven seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Good read. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I kind of, like, like Sandra Locke for that. I'm like, you were like, even though I obviously love Clint Eastwood, he's beautiful, but I'm married to this man and I'm protecting him and he's my best friend. I'm not divorcing him for you, like – yeah. yeah, and I was like, I kind of like really like mad respect for Sandra and that also she broke up with Clint Eastwood. So that's great news there. Yeah. And then this is 1984, guys. It's a very long history. I, there's more. We haven't even got to his son, Scott, Scott. who is beautiful. <laughs> I say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Clint Eastwood had a unpublicized affair with the flight attendant, Jacqueline Reeves. And from this, he had two children, which is Scott and Catherine, born in 1986 and then 1988. Ooh, respect for that year. But on the birth (laughs) certificates for both of them, read their father had declined the name. So he legally was like not their dad when they were born. And that was an affair. When you think of these age gifts, like 1986, Scott, 1988 was Catherine. He was having an affair for multiple years with this flight attendant and then like refused to say that these children existed. And then apparently the children's existence, so Scott and Catherine's, continued to be like ignored. People didn't know about it until the mid-2000s. And I'm like, 
Okay, this explains so much about Scott probably having daddy issues, right? Right. And I mean, I'm I'm wondering if he was like, I want to be an actor. He's like, Dad, please, can I have your name finally? Like, You're so not my I- real son. I've only like, put my name on your certificate like in the 2000s. But he's like, please, Dad, can I have it so I can get famous because you helped me or something. I'm just like shocked. I'm like, you're a shit person. And he's just so glorified. And I'm like, looking at this, I'm like, oh, you're. Anyway, he's very hot, guys. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Red flags everywhere. Anyway, so it continues. Just so you know, we're like at six kids at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) So then in the early like 1990s, Eastwood then had a relationship with actress Frances Fisher that produced another daughter, Francesca, born in 1993. And then Eastwood was married again to a news anchor, Diana Ruse, who then gave birth to their daughter, Morgan, at some point in like the 2000s. And um, they then got divorced in 2013. So that's where all the eight kids come from. He's a serial marriager dater. He obviously has great swimmers, though. Like, that's a lot of kids over a really long period of time, and he's just getting old. Seriously. I bet he's not even that present in a lot of their lives. I mean, definitely sounding by that, like, most of them. But I'm wondering if he's present in any of them. Like, that's a lot. I feel the worst for the flight attendant being like completely shafted and the two kids he was obviously having this wasn't a one-off he was having an affair with her for multiple years and he's like no they're not my children no they're not my children don't put my name on it I don't want to be associated and like it was completely like people just didn't know about it until like this news story broke like in the 90s or something about it and people just still didn't care yeah oh that's just Clint and I'm like uh (laughs) this is really fucked up guys (laughs) the fact that he has two kids and he like has all these other kids too but He's, like, ignoring two of them. Yeah. It's just classic, like, he can do whatever he want, but still people love him and he gets to keep growing in his career and nobody really cares just because of, like, materialistic stuff. Yeah. I I think he looks – he seems like he would be an asshole. I could see it, yeah. You know? I could. And he's probably old school because he's 90, so he probably operates in this old school kind of, like – mental state where men can really do whatever they want but not all do i will say i feel like paul newman is just as hot but like on the other spectrum of that time mm-hmm. i will say that there was there's a lot of red flags about clint eastwood just generally speaking but like in this film again i was like you're not a great person but why are you so attractive and he also looks so good while smoking and usually that's a big red flag like i can't date smokers or i agree about it but I was like, how do you make this look like so good? (laughs) He has lit a match with his boot. (laughs) If this isn't all man. You know, I don't like smokers, but I like this smoker. (laughs) All right. So trivia back to, you know, Scott a little bit and our, you know, feel like we have a little bit of a connection to Clint is because Scott lives in Austin, Texas, which is he still in your top five? I feel like sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. He is in my top five. Look, okay. I'm having a really hard time with my top five at the moment, but Scott's pretty consistent. But anyone wondering, my top five, anyone's top five, your top five, C's top five. Your top five is your hall pass. So who are the five people that you would have a hall pass for if you met them and they're like, yeah, like I'll get with you. Like your partner or your significant other is like, yeah, you get that one. Like I totally understand while you're going to go sleep with this really attractive but celebrity. you had a shot and you didn't take it. I know I blew it. So Scott, I feel like he is always spotted all over Austin and I saw him at the Austin airport. I don't know where I was flying. I think I was flying back to Australia actually, but he was at the airport and he was just had the worst hat I've ever seen on. It was like a flat brim, like neon hat, but you could still tell it was him walking backwards and forwards. He obviously flies Delta for anyone that's interested. He's a Delta man. And I was just like texting my friends being like, oh my God, Scott Eastwood's here. And Nick was even like, here's your shot. Go for it. Like he's in your top five. That's what and I was I saying. Was like frozen. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I was like, you've been talking such a game. <laughs> and then there he is. And you didn't say anything you didn't even give him a note like slip a note like you're my hall pass you want to meet in the bathroom <laughs> you're one of my five hall passes <laughs> but I've always thought that the hall pass like this is just me because I've watched way too many romantic movies I just always expect them to approach me and be like I love you straight up don't know you but like oh like a meet cue or whatever I just expected him to see me and be like she's beautiful <laughs> 
and then come up and talk to me. And that's how it would happen. Not me approaching him being like, hey, baby, here's my number. You're my whole pass. Yeah. No, I get that. But I've also seen him too. So he really is about town. I feel like he's a regular for sure. But I saw him like a few years ago at ACL, which is a Austin City Limits music festival. And we were in one of the like clubs. They had like a Samsung club area that we were getting into. And all of a sudden I look over and he's over there just chatting up a blonde. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's Cody Swin. He does look super good in person. And then I also saw him at a restaurant downtown and it's the same kind of thing. I just see him over at the bar and he's talking to some brunette. So he, he goes both ways, which is nice. You know, he's not I just he one way. Blondes. Well, I'm not sure what actually happened, but I mean, she was all right. So it just felt like we all have a chance because she wasn't like this model type or anything. And he, of course, was just talking and I'm just trying to be cool and not stare too hard but he's never been in my top five so there wasn't like this pressure that like I needed to go talk to him (laughs) I need to make this happen it was just more me like snapping like quick little pictures to send to you so if you haven't caught on we watched a western film since Cleet Eastwood is now over 90 years old and he doesn't look as fine as he did um so this film is actually number 27 on Empire's top 100 list it is 1966 Italian epic spaghetti western film directed by Sergio Leone and it was starring Clint Eastwood as the good, Lee Van Cleet as the bad, and Eli Wallach, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right, as the ugly. So explain what a spaghetti western is. So a spaghetti western, we I googled this when we were watching it, but it is a broad subgenre of western films that are produced in Europe. So it emerged in the mid-1960s in the wake of the same director, Sergio Leone's filmmaking style and international box office success. The term was used by American critics and those in other countries because most of these westerns were produced and directed by Italians. But this film was filmed in Spain. So it's kind of like that European genre, but basically it's kind of like a racist kind of saying, saying it's a spaghetti western. Yeah. But yeah, it <laughs> is a little, is. yeah, I'd agree with that. But yeah, because the movie is supposed to be in like the Southwest, which we assumed is like New Mexico, Arizona, but you could definitely see that this is very different in some ways to a, like a normal Western, like a John Wayne Western. Yes. And we do dive into that in one of our topics, saying like how this is different. So yeah, before we dive into it, please remember these episodes contain spoilers from the films we watch. If you have not seen it and you don't want us to ruin it for you, please watch the film and then come back and listen. The plot is that in the Southwest during the Civil War, a mysterious stranger, Joe, who is Clint Eastwood, and a Mexican outlaw, Tuco, form an uneasy partnership. I hope that's how you say his name. I'm, I'm sure it's not. It sounds okay. Cool. We'll see. Mm. Anyway, Joe turns in the bandit for the reward money. So Joe Clint turns in the Mexican Tuco. outlaw, Tuco, to get reward money. Then he rescues him just as he is about to be hanged. So I think they have like, it was like a con. Like that, yeah, that's our whole that scheme. Either that or he felt bad after like screwing him. We'll Maybe. find out. Maybe he's the good. <laughs> Or he's the bad. He's definitely not the ugly. He's definitely um, not the ugly. Anyway, when Joe is shot at the new and the noose goes awry, 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 whatever. During one escapade, a furious Tuco tries to have him murdered. This is like a toxic relationship. Yeah, it feels like they're just constantly screwing each other over. I guess they're both bad dudes. Yeah. Um, the men reteam abruptly. Of course they do. Get back together. <laughs> Toxic relationship. However, to beat our sadistic criminal and the Union Army and find 20 grand that a soldier has buried in the desert. It's all about money. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned earlier that you think that Tuco, who is apparently Mexican in this, is Mexican in this, I shouldn't say apparently, is a Mexican character, is actually because it's filmed in the 60s, yes. is white. That is, I'm assuming there could be some bad stereotypes in here. And, you know, it is known back then that a lot of white people played non-white people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that could be a strong possibility. So do you want to know yes. who it is? His name is Eli Wallach. Wallach. Wallach, which you will know him 
most predominantly because we are millennials, from the holiday. He's the old dude that befriends oh, the Kate cute Winslet. Old guy. And I don't I'm just looking on Wikipedia. I don't think he is Mexican. I don't think so too. I don't I mean, that name doesn't sound Mexican either. I'm just trying to look up his heritage. He was born in Brooklyn, New York City. He went to the University of Texas. There you oh, go. UT. Hook him. Um, Poland. <gasps> and Jewish. Jewish immigrants. He's yeah. a fellow Pole. See, I knew that name. It seemed like it was Jewish. Yeah. From so the name. Straight away shitting on this film for not casting. Yeah. Um, it you will know. Be, I'm sure we'll have some comments about that. <laughs> Even Gr- though I love him in The Holiday not the best choice for yeah playing it must be really interesting to like films back in the day when it's like oh we're gonna play this like multicultural and different cultural characters but they're all white and we're gonna just you know yeah yeah we'll see i'm uncomfortable it'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) all right for our plonk we are drinking a brute it's called Mum Napa. Yeah. This is like one of my f- more, I like this one for like uh, affordable sparkling. Mm, how much? I'll Google it. But like, I think it's like 25. Rum with a fruit, vanilla, hints of toast. Oh my God. I love toast. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> they have a really good um, sparkling rosé of it too. Oh, I lied. It's $17. Well, I mean, and their brute rose is sixteen dollars, okay, which is this also has really a lot good. of things I love: toast, honey, citrus, green apple, pear. The only thing, the vanilla, but I'm sure everything else will. I mean, I like vanilla. Yeah. This, this is, is this like if you good. don't want like a prosecco, but you can't really afford like a champagne, and like you just want to, you know, celebrate something small like a win. Yes. Like a 3% pay raise or something. This is what you celebrate with. Because you really can't afford like a really expensive champagne because your pay raise isn't that much. It's just 3%, but still a pay raise, you know? <laughs> I like how you're really painting us a picture. <laughs> well, this is the celebrations you should use so this when sparkling ne- for. The next promotion I get, you better be getting me this one then. No, no. You'd get a, you'd actually get a bottle of champagne. You get something more expensive. Oh. But promotion's different. Oh, oh, oh. Unless oh. your promotion's only 3%, and then you need to have a serious conversation with your employer. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is just going up in like the expense levels of austin (laughs) yeah so obviously this is from napa called mum napa mum with two m's at the end 12.5 percent alcohol tastes good on its own because i've had it before and i know oh my god they've been really difficult lately (laughs) nick's in the gym if you want to go get him to pop some i don't need a man (laughs) your face is when i do I'm like worried you're gonna break something in my house. Like it's gonna smash into the TV. Not gonna get a new TV, I guess. <laughs> I'm holding it tight. There we go. All right, so it's gonna be a first taste for me since you've already you had definitely this. had some of this oh. with me. You probably just haven't paid any attention. Just give me alcohol. Like I would have in my mouth, <laughs> and I will just drink it. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that's light. Yeah, it's good. Oh, I taste the pear. I actually taste the pear. Can you taste the vanilla? I'm really trying to taste the toast. <laughs> but I don't know if I have enough of a palate. I need to go to a winemaking course. Can we really? <laughs> we really do need to understand how do they put toast into wine. <laughs> we should just go back to Sonoma and yes. then do a course out there. Oh, yes. So or like a week or... out there. Like, this is for work. We can write it off. <laughs> <laughs> I just got heartburn. I laughed too much. I laughed too hard with that. Okay, so first up is trivia. I know our new section. I'll just read some of the trivia and then see we kind of just reacts to this brand new information that she's hearing. Blow my mind. <laughs> so this film is actually part of a trilogy, but it is set before the two other films that were filmed first. So actually it's a prequel. Same director in all the films with the center of attention being on Clint Eastwood. Wait, so it this one is made third, but it's set before the first two. So it's kind of like an origin story. 
Yes. Okay. Yes, it's an origin story. And in the other two films, I was looking that at the end of this film, he gets that poncho from that soldier. Mm -hmm. And so he wears that in the other two films when they come out. So you kind of get to see the life of that poncho because I think it's really iconic from the other films. Mm -hmm. And then you see how he gets it and that's part of his character in the other films. So I kind of liked how they tied that. So his poncho's origin story too. Interesting. Well, it's good that we watch this one in case we ever watch the other two. So it's in order. And that poncho also, he never cleaned it or replaced it, Clint Eastwood. So it's fucking feral by the time he has it in that third movie. Oh, that must be really <laughs> stinky. I wonder if it's like in some museum somewhere. It, He's probably like got it under his bed. It's like stored somewhere and probably worth a <laughs> lot of money. Maybe give it to one of his kids as an apology for being a terrible father. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal critty. Okay. The ugly and the bad are actually reversed in the first initial trailer. So in the final film, Tuco is designated as the ugly, while Angel Eyes is called the bad. But in the original trailer for American release, Angel Eyes is the ugly and Tuco is the bad, which I find very interesting because that also works. It does work, but I don't think Angel Eyes is that ugly. So, But Tuco is definitely bad. Tuco's definitely bad. It should really be the good, the bad, and the other bad. (laughs) (laughs) We dive into it as well, but I don't even know if um, Blondie, who is Clint Eastwood, is even that good either. Yeah, I don't know. There's a whole spin on that. And another piece of trivia is at the end, there's a bridge that Tuco and Blondie blow up, which was actually a bridge built by Spanish army engineers. So the Spanish agreed to blow up the bridge only if their captain could do it, which I think, you know, that's understandable. They built it. They want to blow it up. But when it came to blowing up the bridge, the captain didn't notify the director and just blew up the bridge without any cameras rolling. What? So the army had to build it and then blow it up again. (laughs) Did the army, was it already built before? Yeah, it was built by a Spanish army. So that's why they kind of wanted to blow it up oh. themselves because they built it. I totally get it. It's like respecting on all that, those levels. But they blew it up before anyone could <laughs> film it. Like I don't know how they blew it up without any cameras rolling. Sounds like the fucking dumbest thing ever. But So then they had to build it and then they blew it up again. I would hope that the cameras were there. They just weren't rolling and that's why he did it. But I just would love to see that reaction. <laughs> to them like all i just imagine them all with like their cameras and they're standing around like getting ready and then all of a sudden it blows up and they're just like watch the fuck and they like freaking out and probably extended the time a lot too having to rebuild it or similar to apocalypse now there's like a lot of wild shit granted this was the 60s it just seems like there was i think i read that there was like notes about this like there are concerns about filming in europe because their safety standards are totally different to filming in america Mm -hmm. which i probably understand that but Eli Welch nearly died three times on set and they're all ridiculously stupid reasons to nearly die the first one is that he accidentally drank acid because the crew put acid in a lemonade bottle for some reason and he drank it (gasps) acid (laughs) oh he spat it out but like that does really bad damage yeah. And then remember how there's the train scene and he's like trying to like cut off the guy's hands. Yeah. Anyway, so he was nearly decapitated because they didn't realize part of the train actually had a footstep. So if he'd looked up at the wrong time, his head would have been taken off because that was the actual train. Oh um, my gosh. So that was pure luck. They didn't realize until it was too late and they were just like, well, let's just hope he keeps his head down. And then the third time was during a scene where um, Tuco, so Eli Wallace's character, is on horseback and his hands are tied behind him. I think I remembered this. Yeah. And But the horse got spooked by a gunshot that went off and it galloped away for like a mile and somehow Tuco, the actor, um, stayed on the horse the whole time. And it was just sprinting for a mile and he was like tied up on the horse. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I'm going to go into a field position. This is stressing me out. <laughs> that is terrifying. Was like, what? Those like, are all this, like, really bad things. Those yeah. are really bad. <laughs> yep, oh, yep, yep, yep. Um, and then one of the other things, I know we t- like touched on this before, how this Western's different. So John Wayne, who is the... I guess like the OG Western Mm -hmm. star, Mm -hmm. he was not a fan of Clint Eastwood's cowboy because 
John Wayne is like, oh, you know, cowboys are upstanding. They don't shoot people in the back. They're not manipulative. They're very honorable, right? Mm -hmm. But then Clint Eastwood's Blondie's character, he's not the worst character. He's not the worst, worst, but he's still very like manipulative and, you know, out for himself and just like not as honorable. So John Wayne didn't like him because he was like shitting on the image of what a cowboy should be. Um, this brand he'd built out so that's kind of also the Italian style of the films is that they're kind of like the cowboys aren't these good honorable men anymore they're kind of dirty scoundrels that's interesting I mean I'm not surprised by that but I've also heard John Wayne's an asshole but he wasn't like (laughs) really nice and he was like super racist too so (laughs) I feel like it's like two bad guys just annoyed with each other but they can have they can do things differently That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Two extra small pieces of information, which I liked, is that at the end of the film, the three-man gunfight is actually called a Mexican standoff or Mm. a trural. And then there's a couple of like apparently like mathematical papers covering the complex outcomes of trules when there's like three people like trying to shoot each other. But other movies like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs have like copied this Mexican standoff style for their films. Which makes sense because this is Quentin Tarantino's favorite film of all time, mm. which I thought was pretty cool. And then my my love, Stephen King, has based one of his characters in his books, Dark Tower, on um, Blondie's character, which I li- really liked. I thought of The Office. <laughs> there's a scene, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a scene where this whole episode they're like, pretending doing like a murder mystery kind of thing and at the end they're like all doing that it's like Dwight and Andy and Michael and Pam even does it for a second and it's really funny if you haven't seen it go look it up it's really funny so that's where I kept going I feel like there's films we're watching now because we hadn't seen them but now they make sense in so many other pop Mm -hmm. culture references Mm -hmm. which I really like that I'm like oh like this is like a thing this is the original movie that everything's copied this from so I really liked that about yeah. This one anyway. Well, some good trivia. Some scary trivia too. Poor yeah. Tuco. I mean, again, 60s. Yeah. Safety standards. <sighs> Very low. But I'm sure some were okay. You know, they weren't like in the wild, wild west actually. So that one just not so good. Okay. For our first topic, we wanted to chat about the dynamic of the good, the bad, and the ugly mainly focusing on the good and the ugly, which is Blondie and Tuco and a big part of the movie. You know, bad is Angel Eyes and he's in it some, but it's not as complex and he kind of just jumps in and out. And he clearly is a bad guy in the sense that he will just do anything for money. And I think it's just, he's very cut and dry. But the first questions that I was thinking about is Blondie, is he actually good? And is Tuco actually ugly? I think Blondie, who is Clint Eastwood slash the good, there's like three different names for them. He's just like the best out of a bad bunch of people. Like he is not good in any way whatsoever when you really think about it. Mm -hmm. But when you compare the three of them together, he's probably the most honorable. I don't think he likes killing people. I think he, you know, he doesn't really go and kill anyone unless he has to. I think it like angel eyes at the end and stuff. But he's a little bit sneaky, like he's a bit of a con artist, he's a bit manipulative. He does, he is out for himself, but he does seem to have some form of honor and keeping his word most of the time. He doesn't always do it, but most of the time he does. Yeah, like he's definitely a con artist, so that's not good. But (laughs) he does have kind of a limit, you know, like he never tries to actually like kill Tuco. But Tuco definitely tries to kill him. And it's just a little bit more brutal about everything. Mm-hmm. So in this that sense, I mean, I guess he has some good he's not really that good. No. No, he really he's isn't. Just the best I'm trying to bunch. find something that's like actually good and I can't remember anything that made him like a good person, except at the very end when he did let Tuco live. And then Tuco mm-hmm. being ugly, I mean, yeah, I guess when he's standing next to Clint Eastwood, he is. <laughs> Tuco is pretty ugly. I don't like. I there's. I understand why Angel Eyes was probably more attractive. Yeah, so the bad was more attractive. So it, it just. It, I think that was. It's ugly is not a very complex way to describe him. Based mm-hmm. like you know, good complex, bad can be complex, but ugly. It's kind of like 
his personality was ugly. Is that like what we're talking about here? Like he was physically unattractive, but he also had a he was ugly personality. He was not a good dude, very out for himself, like not relatable. So Tuco, yes, ugly. I think they go kind of stereotypical with him and making him ugly. I think it could be sadly maybe a race thing and just him being a little more irrational, which we talked to you about later, but they definitely like make him out to be like a weird, like ugly, weird little guy or something. So, <laughs> yeah. but he's really is bad also. He could be both. But the relationship between the two with Blondie and Tuco is pretty toxic. <laughs> Our favorite toxic relationships. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we just find it in every film we watch. We're like, oh, that's a toxic relationship right there. <laughs> and this one's like between two men. We're like, toxic relationship is yeah. not healthy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at first it starts off like it seems like they have a good partnership and Tuco always has like an, a reward against him. And then Blondie, he gets them, quote unquote, and takes him in for the reward that he's always put to death. So they're always trying to hang him, Tuco. But then Blondie shoots him down. So like you see like, oh, they've got like a thing going that's not great. They're not doing a great thing, but there's something. And then there's a team. Yeah. But then all of a sudden Blondie decides to just be like, okay, now I'm done with this and leaves him in the middle of nowhere with like no money. And I think tied up, right? I don't think he was very far. I think he was like a mile away from town. Which is far in the middle of nowhere. And I think he was tied up and had nothing and still had like a bounty out for him. So then Tuco becomes like possessed with getting revenge on Blondie. Tuco takes him pretty much captive through the desert, which was brutal. (laughs) That's when they made... Clint Eastwood ugly and that was really hard to watch. It was very difficult to watch that. Yeah, he's like sunburned and chapped or whatever. And then they come across this soldier that Angel Eyes is looking for, for this money. And he tells Tuco one part and Blondie the other part. So yeah, they come together to find a goal, but like it's not good because they just have to. There's not like good true intentions with it. They're using each other. Yeah, they have like a hate-hate relationship, but I think there is on some level, there's a common respect for each other and they know that the other one is going to get it done because they both have this like dark side to them, I guess. And so when they reunite, when they find out about this gold, they have this shared common goal, which is to find the money. And they also have a common enemy, which is Angel Eyes, who also wants the money. So it's a classic, the enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever Mm -hmm. that is. So they've kind of come together and been like, let's work together to get this for each other and block this third person out because he's not going to give us anything and he's trying to kill us because we have the information that he wants. Yeah. And I will say during that part, they do have trust in each other. They don't really, not one is trying to kill the other and vice versa. Like they do work together and they're on the same team. It's just sad that they couldn't like (laughs) not have so much gluttony really and they could have just done it together and split it and be happy and never hate each other yeah i think they knew at the end that one of them was going to double cross the other my opinion on ugly is that like he's a lot worse than blondie i think he's got small person syndrome is that what it is something so like i just think he was always going to do what was right by him and not really consider blondie where blondie kind of like helped him out in the end even though he like took most of the money he still left him with some money mm-hmm. and i think tuco is just trying to be like a big dog and he just isn't and how he to- he tortures blondie in the desert i think that was really really cruel yeah He's a very selfish person i think he kind of deserves the ending he got like as mentioned blondie gave him money and like freed him but yeah i just think he's a worse character not as honorable. It wasn't even that bad of an ending for him. Like, yeah, he could have died if he slipped, but <laughs> he still got a good amount of money. I'm surprised that Blondie gave him that much money. I think Blondie just wanted to get away from him. So that's why he's like, I'm going to leave this money, leave you hanging here. But he was always going to turn around and shoot that rope to like let him down. I guess that's why he is the good. Yeah, he's the best out of the yeah. bad bunch. And, you know, I think when things went wrong with one of their other plans and then Blondie was shooting people's hats off. That was to distract everyone so that Tuco could escape. I think that's like right at the start of the film. Yeah. But there's those elements where Blondie, again, he's not good, but is not the worst. I was going to say that you also found his character really similar to another character we recently watched. 
He seems like a Stanley Tucci and Goodfellas kind of guy. Like the small guy that was so erratic. Who's Stanley Tucci? Oh, Stanley Tucci is a totally different guy. Yeah, like I don't think Stanley yes. Tucci is the one you're going after here. Joe Pesci. Yes. Yeah. He has a very like Joe Pesci vibe in this yeah. movie. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, so sorry, Stanley Tucci, for comparing to Joe. That's I was like, Stanley Tucci, you mean the bold guy that's like very flamboyant? He's like hot now. Everybody like loves him. As soon as I said, I was like, no, that's not right. But no, he did. He reminded me of Joe Pesci and Goodfellas, just like really irrational and just doing stupid stuff, not thinking it through and just being like all over the place and just chill out like he was just freaking out all the time and making stupid decisions and yeah I just I felt like they had like a similar vibe yeah I definitely think it's that <clears throat> small person have to compensate in other ways yeah I'm just gonna be a giant asshole to compensate for being small yeah <laughs> uh so the second part of like topic of this film I think it dawned on us after we watched it when we we're chatting about it really quickly we're like wait is this like a comedy film because there's just so many parts in it you're like this is ridiculous um so I think one of the big questions for me is see do do you think this is a comedy film I don't know if it's comedy but kind of like that satire it did seem to kind of be on that edge of making fun of the stereotypical western stuff it just took everything a little like over the top like exaggerated a lot of it it's definitely a satire film and it's I think it's probably one of the original Western films, but it was probably taking the piss a little out of the Western films that came before it, which is why Americans didn't like it as much because, uh, for example, why do we keep going back to it? But the good is not really that good. And as mentioned, that's why John Wayne didn't like Clint Eastwood as a cowboy. He wasn't the stand-up fellow that he should be. He was more of like a John Dutton from Yellowstone, like the anti-hero. And I think that just like, they replace the idea of the American hero with some dirty scoundrels. And I just, I like that, but it's kind of funny that that's what they did. Everything was just so long and so overdone and so absurd. Like it, it starts with it, like right off the gate, there's that intense stare when Angel Eyes goes into that like random family's house to pretty much, I guess, kill the dad, he like walks in the door and like the mom, the son see, and they're just like, so long, just staring at him at this door and like putting the food down and then sitting down on the table and then eating it. And then the guy walks in and, and like walking to, it just was like the longest scene. I don't know. They just try to make everything so dramatic to where it was just kind of funny. But I think we saw that it was like a 10 minute scene with no dialogue at the beginning yeah the the first words aren't spoken in this film until like 10 to 12 minutes in which explains this scene which I was like looked at it and I was like that's why it felt so fucking long because someone's talking you're like what is happening like are they supposed to be talking but no it was just intense eye stares and that's where I'm like are you guys joking like is this like a joke is this I like now I look at it being like that is funny because like that is not reality that is not real life you don't just stare at people yeah a lot of of awkward silence (laughs) but I think the movie is like almost (laughs) three hours and if they cut out Mm -hmm. like 50% of every scene it would have still been the same movie would have still seen the same kind of stuff but it just wouldn't be so long it just like was hard sometimes like okay when is this gonna end because once you go into the scene you're like I don't know how long I'm in this for you know like the desert scene when Tuco was making Blondie walk in with no water no food no hat his poor it's like awesome hat like flown away and that one we just were like how long are they gonna come over another hill in the desert and walk <laughs> oh here's Clint tumbling again well oh, there's, there's Tuco not letting him have more water <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell it was a long time because Clint's oh. face started getting more and more sunburn and sunburn and blistering. You're like, how long have you guys been doing this? And I think that might be part of it is being like, because I think this film actually happens over a really long period. 
because Clint's face like heals and you know how at one part Tuco's lips are really blistered but they heal so I think it's supposed to show you like this is actually over a really long period of time which is fine but in a movie I don't need to experience that just put a timestamp up being like 30 days later and then you're like where you're supposed yeah. to be because I remember there was that one part where right at the end um, when Tuco is running in circles trying to find the grave and it just went forever oh my god Oh my god. We have to hear the whole song, Chris. We have to hear the whole song while he runs around. Like, we get what he's... I told you, as soon as he came here, I was like, how long are we going to watch him look for this grave? He just kept running and running and running. <laughs> and I was getting dizzy. I'm like, this is making me feel sick. Like, I get it. He's running in circles around a circular grave trying to find it. And I'm like, yes, it's going to take him a really long time to find this one specific grave. But wow, that just went for a really long time. And I'm like, stop. Stop it. <laughs> I guess the director just didn't know how to express it without literally making it long, that it took him a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yes. <laughs> he's like, well, it, it actually took a long time. So we better make it actually yeah, a long time. And like make people dizzy <laughs> at the same time. Yes. Yeah. And then we finally get through him running around in circles. And then at the very end, we get to another lawn scene, which it, I think it was five minutes, but it felt a lot longer, I think, because we had just gone through so many of these scenes. And I think we were becoming delusional because <laughs> like we just couldn't believe that it was still going it was that mexican standoff uh i get it this is just a very long film and like not in a way that's like avengers long or like titanic long yeah this movie I won't feel, end i think we're just ready for the whole film to be over we're like we get it like let's speed this shit up and it just kept going i did google it goes for five minutes and I remember being like, why is this going on this way? Like they're just, and it would go from I, I, crotch, crotch, I, I, gun, I, crotch. And I'm like, I get it. <laughs> squint, I open, squint again, I open it's again. It's so long. Like, and I'm like, stop it, stop it. End the film, end it now. <laughs> it was brutal. Like we were just like, couldn't. But just we couldn't get over it. We were just like, please, when is it gonna stop? This is torture. And that's why I think movies take the piss out of this scene in like other movies they copy it. But I thought this was a bit of a joke because even though this is where this started, this Mexican standoff, it just goes for so long. So I think it's supposed to be very iconic, but I was like, this is a joke, right? Like nothing should be taking this long in this yeah. film. I think it's just a big exaggeration on Western movies. I do think they're kind of, yeah, taking a little bit of a joke out of it. It has to. It has to. to. And has that movie, to. it could have been an hour and a half long and it's three hours long. So I, I could tell you exactly what areas you should cut from this film and it's going to be very watcher friendly. But three hours, I think we were going a little bit crazy at the end. We just were like, this needs to... This needs to stop. It needs to end. Yeah. I need to get on with my life because this is very long and it's unnecessarily long. Yeah. Agreed. I also pointed out <laughs> in the film, this really grinded me the wrong way, I think, is in it, they, there is power lines in this film, like power lines. <laughs> and it is set during the Civil War. I Googled this because I like proving things that I'm right and they're wrong. And the first power lines were not erected <laughs> until the 1890s <laughs> in Oregon. So 20 years after the end of the Civil War. So that was lazy filmmaking. They should have just cut that out or like not filmed there. But I'm like, yeah. Power lines? Why are they here? Power lines. Do they have power back then? <laughs> no. Not in the Civil in the War. 80, in the 80s? No, 1800s? but in the Civil War. Yeah, no. in the 1800s. You saw power lines? I saw power lines. <laughs> Another one was when Angel Eyes get shot at finally at the end of the Mexican standoff, the the an hour long Mexican standoff. He shoots him and he falls into his own grave. Which why is there a random open grave? I don't know. Every no other grave was like that. And then I guess his hat had fallen off and he shoot his hat into the grave. And then he shot his gun into the grave, which one great skills and two 
I think that is a little respectful because you're like, okay, I killed you, but here are your most prized possessions, your hat and your gun. They're going to get buried with you. That's nice. That is respectful. But it was also laughable because, again, I was like, I've seen stuff like that in other films and it's part of, like, comedy. So it's like, are you you being, like, real? Are you being comedic for, like, because obviously – Blondie is a great shot. That's what they're trying to say is like, here's a great shot. He hits his target every time. And just shooting the hat and the gun into the grave after he's fallen into it. I'm just like, wait, are we taking the piss here again? Or is this like mastery in filmmaking? Which I think for a lot of it, I think like, oh no, they use, they're, you know, from another country. They'd look at Westerns. Oh, this is what we've got to do. But then the one where Tuco has his butt in the air when... <laughs> Is like after they blew up the bridge, or maybe before they blew up the bridge. But like, I think it's after they blew up the bridge. That's why they're hiding because they're running and hiding and diving into. They're getting getting protection from the explosion. Yeah, so they go and like run away while everybody's fighting and like waiting it out. And Blondie's like down, but then <laughs> Tuco jumps and just is like with his butt in the air and just stays like that. And then they wake up the next morning with the same positions through a whole like army, like going away. So that part's like, okay, this is definitely taking the piss because that's ridiculous. I I think that part was done on purpose, but I think it was straight. Cause I said in the movie, I was like, how did they not wake up? Well, the, there's no army left anymore. The army had disappeared and he yeah. had just left the two of them there, which is very unrealistic people would have noticed you guys with your butt in the air and just like hanging <laughs> out in the set in the ditch where like you're getting cover from you know the explosions in the war but they're just kind of like wake up in the morning and no one's there anymore I'm like oh that this is a joke and also when they blow up the bridge it's in broad daylight and it's not subtle <laughs> at all like people would have seen them so I'm yes. like, again what the fuck why didn't you just do it at nighttime it's very it obvious and you're like oh we're just gonna like go and blow up this bridge it's everything's gonna be fine I'm like, <laughs> okay is this really how we won wars <laughs> yeah it was that was very obvious and i just don't understand how his butt wasn't hit with like a stray bullet because <laughs> they were like right there <laughs> And I think one of the other things we were laughing at, there was like a dramatic death scene, like someone died and it was like the drama behind the acting and how he was dying, very like died slowly and overacted. <laughs> Again, I think that's like from comedies when people die, like very dramatically, I guess. Yeah. And we were just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. The dramatic death. What? An the acting. acting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then lastly, the gun in the tub when Tuco was like taking a bath <laughs> and somebody comes in and they're like, oh, I got you. And he's like, uh-huh. And he pulls a gun out of the tub. We're like, what? <laughs> oh! Who has a... You, you can't have a gun in the bath? In the Westerns, you do. It is die or kill. That is a lot of shooting. So yeah, I think overall we are thinking this felt like it was more on like the comedy lighthearted side of a western it's just like a mixed genre like it was comedic but it was just so long and dramatic you're just like yeah what do you what i didn't quite understand which way they were going there but i guess i didn't either <laughs> on to our honorable mentions our first one was the music the score and the classic western music i think every time they had the Da-da-da-da. we were like doing it with it <laughs> doing it with it like oh you know this music this is iconic yeah i would agree the music was great it was the same music over and over yeah. and over again. But they sometimes mixed it in with like a softer one and then like the normal one. But yeah, I kept doing the same one, which is very iconic. And then the quote that Tuco says, if you work for a living, why do you kill yourself working? If you work for a living, Tuco. why do you kill yourself working? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I don't know. It's pretty good. I feel it. I feel it's so relevant today. Like when they said it, I'm like, oh my. It's like, why has it become normal for an eight hour day, five days a week? Like that's, that's rude. It's and rude, eight yeah. other eight hours you have to sleep. Like you just run out of fair. time. Yeah. And I am, I need more than eight hours. I am like a nine, nine hour girl. So like, again, more sleep running Less out of time. Less time to live. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then we just have to call out Clint Eastwood's wardrobe. He's a fashionista. He just could rock anything. He can rock a poncho. 
And during it, I also remember <laughs> he's wearing this like cool scarf a lot or like a tie around his neck and he's just got a look and I don't know where his clothes keep coming from because he like has a couple of outfit changes and he just looks so suave compared to everyone else I'm like where are your clothes coming from dude because you look great and you're dressing well and you're clean no one else is clean but you're clean and your clothes are clean so you got obviously do your own laundry or just buy new clothes when the other ones get dirty he's just pretty much like I think stealing them from everywhere he goes (laughs) because I think he's got the scarf after he like healed up and then he got the poncho from that guy that that dead soldier Mm -hmm. he looked good Okay, time for our ratings, which I'm not sure what I'm going to do here, but let's see what happens. Script. Where was the script? There was a lot of silence. I'm going to give it a <laughs> That's two. That's true. Because like, I just, there was, I, this is, <laughs> it, there's a lot of silence and it's obviously a film well, but I, this script didn't, the best thing was that quote, the rest of it, I don't even know. I doesn't even register. So I'm just going to give it a two. Yeah, I can't think of like. A cool line. It was just, yeah, it was much more. So I'll give it a two also, which then I think leads into character rating, which is going to be higher for me, maybe like a a four. I was going to go a 3.75 because (laughs) 3.5 seemed too low, four seemed too high. So it went straight in the middle, but their characters are like, you know, a bit more complex because you're supposed to have this hero, which is Blondie, but he's not really. And yeah, they're all kind of like bad dudes. Um, there's no one really good in this film. So I like that the characters are a little bit then you're different from your traditional good and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely have like their own versions of how they are bad and different levels. And I think that's a big part of it. And that's why they are who's the good and who's the bad and who's the ugly plot. I think the entertainment factor and the plot kind of come for me, they're kind of merging. So the plot, if this was a one point one and a half hour film, great. Yes. Yes. Wish that together. I do like that they build you up with their relationship between kind of like how their partnership is, who their characters are, what Angel Eyes is up to. I think the plot's good, but when you look at the overall entertainment factor, which I'm going to put at a two, it's too long. <laughs> you need to like, it's just, you need to like, that plot is good for one and a half hour film because it's not that complex, but it's entertaining. Because it's three hours long, it is not entertaining because it doesn't need to be three hours long. I'll give the plot a three and a half because there is good bones there. And then going into the entertainment factor, I mean, yeah, it could have been so much better if it just wasn't so dragged on. I don't always feel like one and a half because it would just, it would get me and then it would just like lose me really quick. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And then I am there Googling Clint Eastwood's affairs. Like if I'm on my phone looking at stuff, you've lost me for certain periods and that means you've like the entertainment factor is lagging. So yeah. Would I recommend it? I might say no because it's three hours. I would agree. I wouldn't recommend it. It is three hours long, guys. Yeah. Three. I hate I never to want to say it. Again. I hate to say it because I just see Clint and I'm just hoping the other two are a lot better and not like that. But it's just, I don't think I could tell somebody to sit for three hours for that movie. I don't think I want to watch any of the other ones because if it's anything like that, I'm going to be like falling asleep, having a nap. Like Clint, oh yeah, watch it for him. Just like beautiful but I can't in good faith recommend this movie to my friends as like something we need to watch. It's based on like how long the other ones are. I'm curious (laughs) (laughs) if it's another three hour. I'm like, Nope, I know what I'm getting into. No, can't do it. (laughs) Wine vibe. Now this kept me. (laughs) The wine was great. We needed another bottle because it was such a long film. (laughs) The wine spot on. I think I like mentioned it is one of like my go-tos when you want bubbles, but you don't want to spend lots of money amazing mom napper never fails to get me happy yeah i think we mentioned that i probably have drinking the, drunk this with you before i just didn't realize 
um, because you've had it before, but I was just like, oh, this is so good. Like, it really was good because we just drank it plain. We didn't drink it with like orange juice or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. I just kept wanting to keep drinking and drinking it, but I had to like slow down because I knew I had to drive. But if I wasn't, yeah, (laughs) it really does go down super good. I would highly recommend it. I enjoyed it a lot. Okay, thank you all for joining us for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Leave us a review and comment on any movies you want us to watch and whine about. Don't forget to subscribe and find us on TikTok at Champagne Cinema, linked in the description. Cheers!